0: Years flew by and the Israelite nation that once found a home in Egypt during Joseph's time were now enslaved by the same nation. However, something special was about to manifest as God was ready to raise up one of the greatest leaders his people would have ever had. Born as an Israelite into Egyptian custody Moses grew in wisdom and stature. Overwhelmed by the suffering and pain he witnessed his people undergo, he struck, murdering an Egyptian. Astonished by his actions, Moses pondered, was he a friend or a foe? Nevertheless, with little time to think, an Egyptian army searching for him. Moses ran for his life, stumbling across some ignorant shepherds who were harassing the daughters of Jethro, a Median priest, while trying to water their flock. Moses came to the woman's defense. The word spread like wildfire, and Jethro invited Moses to stay with him. Little did Jethro know, Moses was about to change his life. In today's podcast, an episode, we focus on the life or the Bible character of Jethro. Who he is, what is he known for, why is he significant? And you know, I can't do this by myself. So me, Casabaldo, I would be your host today. And my co-host, as usual, Pastor Daniel Charles, all the way from... Ephesus SDA Church in America. How are you doing today, bro? Hey, man, we're doing okay. We're doing okay, Kes. We're doing all right today. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. And I'm not going to inform the, the viewers of the actual date that this has been recorded. But if I'm not mistaken, Bishop, today you celebrate another year of your life. Man,
1: praise the Lord, man.
0: man.
1: <laughs> woke we'll up this morning with the song over this man saying thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to see. A lot of, a lot of people didn't get to see their birthdays and shit, man, but we're so grateful
0: um for allowing me to see it. Amen, amen. And I'm grateful for you um helping with this podcast and yeah, I'm just grateful as well for life because as you rightly said, a lot of people haven't been able to do so. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. Um, listen, today, everybody who is listening uh, to this podcast, we have a very special guest. Now, this, uh, this guest isn't it, it, special, in the other guests that we have. This is my best friend. This is my boy. We went to school together, Oakwood University. And he's actually kin to most of you all who are listening to this. He's from London, South London. Uh, this, this is my boy, Jesse Samuel. Jess, man, how you doing today, bro?
2: Having me on the podcast. Uh, you guys doing a great work. I'm just happy to be here, to be honest.
1: Uh, to our listeners today, um, who are listening, uh, Jess, man, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, man, uh, so the viewers can know
2: who, who about you, who we're talking to. Sure. Um, well, for those of you that don't know, my name is Jesse Samuel. I'm 24 years old, about to be 25 in a few days. Um, born and raised in South London. Uh, I attend the Welling SCA Church and studied in Oakwood University in America for three and a half years. <laughs> That's where I met. My boy Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Kessel for a long time, you know, which has been a great growing our friendship. And yeah, I'm just excited to be here, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, bro. Listen, quick question so the audience can know what are you studying to be? What are you trying? You know, what, what, what is the goal that the Lord has for
2: you, the purpose? Um, I believe God has a calling on my life into pastoral ministry. Um, so I did my undergrad at Oakwood and currently I'm studying my master's at Newbold College
0: tough 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 amen amen so me today I am amongst holy men of God I am amongst servants of God and I'm just grateful to be um or just to know you guys and for you guys to also be helping and with me in this podcast it's great to have you you on today jess it's good to have you today but you know i'm gonna focus on jethro and in the introduction we established that jethro was a medianite priest he was a medianite priest so i'm gonna pose that question jesse i'm gonna to come to you your special guest today Do you have, or do you know, or can you tell the listeners anything about the Midianites?
2: You know, um, hence the name. Um, We're not really too sure who specifically they worshipped, but um, scholars do suggest that they worshipped many different gods, um, including um, Baal and like loads of other different gods and stuff like that. And so Jethro being a Midianite priest meant that he, was someone who um, he was like in charge of carrying out different things for these things that were aimed to worship different gods. Um, so it's quite it's quite interesting, you know, the whole story how Moses is quite connected um, to Jethro, you know, his wife and everything like that.
0: No, no,
1: what like what one other thing uh, that we see about Jethro uh, that Jesse pointed out so much. Yeah, they served other gods. They served, you know, God, the God of Heaven wasn't just their only God. They served other gods. one 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 thing i I noticed about jethro is um i don't know i guess he was his search was looking for a son in a sense because we see that the text says that he has seven daughters text doesn't make it clear that he has any sons so (laughs) i guess you kind of see when you know when when the girls meet moses um and they go back home after after watering the trough uh jethro's like uh what happened over there then they tell him the story whatever the case is and jethro's just like Go get him, bring him back, because this is possible that he could get some more kids out of this. Because you know, back in those days, uh sons were a very important thing. Uh, daughters, daughters were good and everything like that, but sons kind of gave that stability and that name to the family. So we see Jeth- Jethro as also kind of a, a desperate guy trying to get a son, trying to get a son from this.
0: Amen, amen. And you know, before we get onto Jethro. I think we need to sort of establish some things and we need to take it back. Just rewind the tape a little bit. The Midianites. Now we know from reading the Bible and also, let's say, in Genesis chapter 25, I believe. Genesis chapter 25, where it talks about Abraham. You realize that Abraham has recently you realize that he has recently lost his wife, Sarah, right? This is in verse 1. And then he, he, he takes another woman to be his wife, her name is Keturah. Chapter 25, Genesis chapter 25, verse 1 says, Then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And Keturah, she bare him, Zimran, Jukshan, and Midan, and Midian, and Eshbak, and Shua, right? So, just in those first two verses, going back, we realize that Abraham, like Sarah, is no longer with her. She's passed away, and Abraham has taken another woman called Keturah to be his wife, and she begat him a number of sons whose name is Median, so we can see there's some sort of there's a connection uh, not just some sort of there's a direct connection all the way to one of the if you want to call forefathers
1: but but Kes, isn't that God's promise too you know you know what what does he say to Abraham he says I'll make you a great nation you know what I'm mm. saying and you know the nation uh, you know obviously comes from Sarah and everything like that but we see other nations come from his otherwise Hagar Ishmael you know Uh, had a lot lot of people called Ishmaelites. And from Keturah, we see, you know, a whole nation, Midian, and other nations come out as well. So I I guess one key point that we see from this, Kess, you know, God keeps his promises. Because when Moses and Jethro, Jethro is a priest of Midian, he's a Midianite, you know, they're kind of of the same family, kind of cousins, as you you would say, in a certain sense. But uh, yeah, you just kind of see God keeping his promises.
0: Okay, okay. So now, fast forward a little bit, we've established who the medianites are we we have established this, the lineage and now we know that joseph um he was in egypt we we know the story of joseph we know that he brought his father and the people to egypt joseph has now long gone and now the israelites are in servitude to the egyptians because New change of command, new 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 pharaoh, new new king, new leader. Things are no longer the same. There's a different way of life. We know in our constitutions or our governments, every four to five years we get a new prime minister, a new president, depending on where you, where you live. So it's the same thing that is same thing that is happening now. It's the same thing that's what's happening then. So we've established that. Now, Moses has now killed, yes. Moses has now killed the Egyptians because after seeing his people suffering for so long, he has become overwhelmed. It's killing him. Too much is too much. He can't take it no longer. Is he, so he's killed the Egyptian and he's on the run. Now, I want to stop it right there at that point where he's on the run. And I want to deal with the fact that Moses has killed the the Egyptian. We're going to come to Jethro, but I think we need to, we need it step by step. Moses was an Israelite and he was raised by Egyptians. Was it right for him to have killed that Egyptian? Because in that situation, you can almost say the Egyptians were his brothering. So, Jesse, I'm going to come to you. What do you think of that decision for Moses to have slain the Egyptian? Was he in the right? Can he be accused of anything? Um,
2: I mean, I, th- I think killing anybody, um, you know, is a, is a wrong thing to do. Um, however, I think when you look at this, you can look at it literally and symbolically. I think literally the killing of the man was definitely wrong. Um, However, what was wrong for Moses was like, yo, I have, I'm literally seeing my people um, being oppressed. Uh, I'm seeing my people being beaten and whipped and lashed and stuff like that. And I'm here sitting in a position of privilege, um, you know, just watching these things go on when my brother and my sister are in bondage. And, and I think that's something uh, that we can kind of draw from that in the sense that while, yes, he killed them in his mind, what was the deeper killing going on? Because while he killed the man, it's like he's watching hundreds and thousands of people dying technically on his watch, you know? So it's like, um, I'm not saying him killing the man is less than at all, but I'm saying what he did was greater than what he did to the man, if you put it that way. Because if he didn't do that, you know, you would never have... Moses to go to Midian and so and come back and, you know, you know, the story, but um, so again, I'm not saying that the killing is right, but I think that symbolically it starts something that what do we stand up to and for um, and why, you know?
1: So, 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 so Jess, well, would you, would you say that the, he was kind of fed up with the system as, as, you know, we're seeing like <laughs> cuz <'cause>, i mean <laughs> i mean you're seeing someone brutally hurt someone and you act and you and your inclination is man something needs to be done right now this 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 is not something that's premeditative. like okay i'm planning out killing him no you see something going wrong i'm going i'm 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 going to take action now of course like we said this is wrong killing is wrong against god's law we're not taking anything away from that but is, is there something with the system? Is there, is there something wrong with the Egyptian system that is causing Moses to react in this way?
2: You know, I see it like today um, in America, England. Um, it's it's like Moses essentially, although we see killing, take out the killing for a second, and if you put in there stopping, Moses is saying like, "Yo, this is enough. Enough is enough. Um, whatever was going on, whatever been going on, this right here isn't right, and it needs to stop." And I think what we're seeing in our current day context is we're seeing these same similar things happen. The difference is, is that more times, you know, we are bystanders. We just stand by, but Moses led us an example to show us that, listen, we need to get involved and stop the oppression of the people. What's happening? Especially those who are in a position of power, like Moses was.
1: So, so my thing is, cause this is just blowing my mind. This is just blow my mind kind of, cause I'm thinking about this as we go along. Without a shadow of a doubt, Moses doesn't think about reacting. Um, and to our, to our listeners who are listening about this, you know, when we have people in our church who should, who, you know, when we see injustice happen in our streets, when we see another black man be killed, uh, whether it's in America or if it's in England, whatever the case is, a lot of the times we like to think and, you know, before to react. And yes, you should. I'm not saying that you should. Um, yeah, you should think, you know, before gathering people together marching and doing all sorts of things but in essence um the inclination that we ought to have that we can take from moses is helping our brothers that that, that should be that that shouldn't be anything to think about <laughs> in some way make the decision i gotta help i gotta help my brother and my sister because they're struggling they're going through whatever the case is and the system is beating down upon them and I, and I think one of the things that we ought to speak to you know what we're going through uh here in America, and what you, you guys are going through. You know, we're all going through similar things. We're all black folk, and racism is everywhere that we go, uh, no matter how intense it is. At the end of the day, we ought to have that inclination, just like Moses. We need to do something. We need to react. Not maybe react in the way he did it, like killing. <laughs> we should kill the police officer once we see something happen. But we ought to react in a certain way that helps our fellow brothers and sisters.
0: Amen, amen. So coming back to the story now, Moses has just killed the Egyptian and is on the run and he ends up stumbling into these Midianite women because they they are the daughters of a Midian priest Jethro as we know his name is these shepherds are harassing these daughters because well for whatever reason while they are while, while they are on, on watering their their flock now Moses is on the run, yet he decides to stand up, again, in a situation, not just for anybody, but again, these united people are also really his people. So the same thing that has just happened in Egypt, just in a different scenario, is replaying almost directly. He reacts differently, Kes, too. He doesn't kill these people. <laughs> he just kind of just drives them away. Very, very true. Very he he doesn't he doesn't kill. But like you mentioned, he has he, he has not hesitated for his people. He sees a issue and he's dealing with it. In those times, usually the men would be sort of taking care of the flock or they'd be leading the flock, they'll be watching the woman will help by watering the flock or in whichever instance. But the sort of hard labor was done by the man, and these women were simply just doing their job they had no they had no power, but Moses, a guy who has recently just fallen from the utmost power because he was raised in Egypt, but he was also on the run, so he has helped he's helped these daughters, and then the daughters have gone and told their father jethro now jethro. As you mentioned at the beginning of the the podcast, Jethro might have been looking for a son because the story only makes reference of his daughters and he may have wanted um, a son. So he he brings Moses in and Moses starts staying with him. And we realize that over a time period, Moses now marries one of his daughters.
1: So... A black woman, y'all. A black woman. Just, just throw this out to I know. I know everybody will be listening to this
0: when she married a black woman. <laughs> amen. Right. Amen. A, amen. Amen. So he, he's now married one of Jethro's daughter. So my question is, he has now stayed with Jethro. How come the Egyptians have not either caught him or found him? Do we have any can can anyone provide any comments? Because I mean the Egyptians, they controlled everything at the time. They were sort of the strongest nation. The the Israelites were under captivity. We know that the Midianites are sort of like a cousin to the Israelites.
1: Bro, I I don't know why, you know. That, that these are some good questions, you know. It, it, it's okay. Yo, know, it's okay to ask these questions, everybody, <laughs> because you know, you know, we might we might come to the answer. But like honestly, I don't know why they haven't caught him. You know, they're they're the world power, and you know the Bible sent everybody out looking for Moses. And then he's killed a fellow Egyptian. Um, but again, this also might be to the hospitality of Jethro First of all, you letting a stranger in your house. You letting a stranger come into your house and you know do all this sort of stuff you don't away from. And most likely later on, Moses told them his whole little testimony of what happened. But um I, I, honestly, I don't know, man. But I guess I we could say from the text, uh, we are grateful for Jethro's hospitality. Cause uh if if he told if Jeth, if he told Jethro what was going on with him in Egypt, Jethro probably could have sold him out for a couple of shekels, man. Could have could could uh, you know told him, hey, what, come 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 and get this man? But the fact that you know Jethro you know takes this and you know, take this opportunity just to just help somebody out, this is his hospitality. And we'll see later on as we go throughout this podcast how Jethro's advice and how everything else kind of blesses Moses in a sense, again, not just with his daughters, but, you know,
2: in life. Is, we know that they recognized Moses somewhat. Um, you know, we don't know to what extent, but they said to Jethro, hey dad, basically um, an Egyptian delivered us. Um, and so they recognized, yo, this guy has some connection with Egypt and Jethro himself, May have even known, like, yo, isn't this Moses? <laughs> you know, like, isn't this the guy? Um, you know, these people would have known people of other nations, particularly um pharaohs, princes, um, kings and all sorts. And he he may have known, he may have not, but it's it's just interesting to know that in to your point, Kess, that even though the Egyptians never find Moses or um or they don't find him, that it's crazy how um <laughs> It's, it's just crazy how he could have known because they recognize him as an Egyptian, but then he still says nothing and he still takes him in. Uh, for me, that's crazy.
0: That is crazy. That is crazy. And, you know, you made a very good point. Uh, both of you have made some very good points. But when you mentioned that he could have died or maybe his people may have, Jethro may have sold him, we have seen that story happen with Joseph. Where his brothers have sold him. Uh to sold him to the people into slavery. And this could have been a situation whereby a family it's happening all over again. We've seen in past stories with the Israelites, they went through cycles. The same thing was happening over and over and over again. And it's like they never learned. So this could have been another cycle, but it wasn't, and we praise God. But you know, we, we realize that, or we recognize and establish that Jethro has now taken in Moses. And Moses is a shepherd. He's looking after the flock or Jethro's flock. And he's helping the family. And he's playing his part. And we realize that soon after, Moses has an experience. Or an, let's not say an experience, an encounter that changes his life. Jesse. Can you shed some light on the next encounter that happens?
2: The um I'm assuming you're talking about the burning bush. Um, man, the burning bush is is crazy. And it's it's funny you you asked this question because you know, bushes during that time in people even see it in California. Um now, bushes are always on fire in the desert. You know, that's that's what happened. Um they're just on fire. So for a bush to be on fire, Moses probably wouldn't have batted the eye generally. Um, but something's different about this one. And he turns, man. And, you know, and the Bible's like, you know, he turns aside to see this thing. And none of it unbeknownst to him, like, this bush starts talking. <laughs> you know, um, this bush starts talking. I mean, um, and all of a sudden, he says, um, you know, Moses, Moses, the calls out. And he takes off his shoes because that's what um, God tells him to do. But what's interesting for me particularly about this bush is that it doesn't burn. Like, it just keeps on, it's it's on fire, but it doesn't burn out. And um, I studied biochemistry um, before I was doing theology. And the, (laughs) you see, the lifespan of a fire is basically consistent to what is being consumed. So in other words, imagine if you had like a piece of cardboard or something, right? And there was a fire, it was burning up the cardboard or something, the fire would exist as long as the cardboard is there. So the fuel of the fire continues basically until that cardboard is completely devoured. And so the essence of what I see this text saying is like, yo, the bush is on fire and what is fueling it, it will be fully burned up once the thing inside of it is burned up and once it's consumed, right? But since we see the sex, we see that God is the one in the bush. <laughs> you know, he's the one in the fire. And because he's everlasting, because he's you know, He's unfailing and he, he never will be over, basically. He's Alpha and Omega. Basically what we see is that although the fire is burning, it goes to the lifespan of that is which in the fire, meaning God. And since he has no end to his lifespan, you end up seeing that this fire just continues to burn. You better preach.
0: You better preach. You know,
2: so that's amazing. And and Moses recognizes this thing and is like, oh my goodness, you know, I see it on fire, but nothing else is happening. It's just consistent. And I think a little side note for, you know, us maybe in our lives, man, like sometimes, you know, we're wondering, God, like, what are you going to do for me? But if he's in that fire, then the thing won't burn out man.
0: But,
1: but Jess and, and or Kes, you know, I want, to, I want to throw it back out because what you said really blessed me, man. Um, How can we practically have that experience on a day-to-day basis? Because I know the Lord wants to have that experience with us. But how can we on a day-to-day basis have that experience?
0: You know, it's a crazy thing. The only way that you can be burning or that Moses could have seen the bush burning is because he was in the presence of the burning bush the only way we can be on fire for god is if we are in the presence god is omnipresent and he's all he's he's everywhere but when i say in the presence i mean spending time in those words i mean praying every day i mean real communication i don't necessarily me personally I don't necessarily think at all times you need to get down on your knees. In my own life, I can be at work and I might be doing something and I just say, Lord, just can you help me with this? Or I'll be like, Lord, help me. Lord, I'm struggling. Or it can be for anything. I just offer up a word of, I'm in constant communication because prayer is just talking to God. That's what it boils down to. So for me, the only way we can have this experience as if we are in the presence of something that allows us to have this experience
2: man if if God's in that fire, if he's the one who's in you, you know then yeah, you, you just won't burn out really, and I think it's about like kes said that daily commitment um and also I think it's also a manifestation of um who you are if you've submitted to God or you say, God, I want you to um, take over today, <laughs> you know take over today for me um You've submitted to him and as a result, the manifestation of what comes out is his work, you know, um, inside of you. And that's how the fire keeps burning because he's in it, um, not you.
0: Amen. Amen. And you know, it's it's funny in this scenario, this encounter, because when Moses was close and the Lord tells him... The- the place he needs to take off his his sandals because the place where he is is holy ground and he's communicating with the lord the direct message that the lord gives to moses is that i need you to lead my people out of bondage now when i look at this the story and everything that's happening right now because moses is now making excuses like i'm not leader i cannot talk um And the Lord's like, he will speak on his behalf. Moses is coming up with every excuse. What I find very interesting is the parallel, because we know that before this encounter, Moses is a shepherd. And if anyone does any study or any research into shepherds, being a shepherd is not an easy, easy job, whether it be the sheep or the goats, the cows, whatever cattle or flock that you have, they go here, there and everywhere. And just being able to lead sheep, God, Moses didn't know, but God was teaching him a lesson. He was already in training. Moses was in training. Moses did not know it yet, but Moses was in training. We know that Christ, our Lord, he's the good shepherd. We know that we are his sheep. We know about the story. If he has 99 safe and one has gone astray, he will go out and find that one to bring back because that's what a shepherd does and now Moses is making excuse I find it so funny because Moses is making excuse for something he's already prepared for
1: Jess, uh, you know bro wow wow, wow. that's that, that's deep what you say man Jess said something a couple months a couple months ago when we were talking he was talking about sometimes the Lord will put you in the, in the spirit of reflection um and you know what Moses did when he, when, he, when he murdered that man, of course it was an incident terrible. But you know, we obviously know that time in the wilderness was God taking everything of Egypt out of him, you know, releasing him for that entire thing. And one of the things I, I noticed what you, you, know, what you said, you know, preparing him, it, you know, he was, Moses being, I believe Sister White says, it and other commentators say it as well, he was being trained to be a general is being trained to fight, being trained in, 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 you know, in an army, whatever the case is, to do this sort of stuff. But God's training was so different from Egyptian training to where you're not put out in the, in, in, in the, in, in the limelight and do, and do this and do that, and I need you to go fight this and that. God's training was a retreat. I need you to retreat in the bulwarks of the mountains. Silence is going on. And what you're going to do, you're not going to be commanding men. You're going to command these sheep. And I'm going to get you to see the life lessons that you're going to need when you lead these people out of Egypt. Because the crazy thing is, you're going to have to be patient, just like you're patient with these sheep, like you were saying, Cass. You're going to have to be patient with these people because they're going to do certain things to move you and your attitude. And that's why Moses is called the the meekest man of all the earth, the most humblest of men. Because he had to learn by taking care of sheep. And, that's, and we see that through David. We see that even in the, in the picture of Jesus, what, how he handles us. And so the thing is, um, to, our, to our listeners who are listening right now, if the Lord is asking you to go into a place of retreat to where you are from, you're away from the spotlight, away from everything else going on, the hustle and bustle of life, the Lord is preparing you take that preparation because what he's going to allow you to expand upon later in life, like Moses, with almost a million people, even more, it's, 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 you're going to need that time to retreat into that space and say, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? Let me have the quietness of life. What, what would you have me to do? So if, you, if you're going through that season right now, you know, be patient because the Lord is working on you.
0: Amen. And, you know, what happens next? And i and like Jesse, I'd lo- I I'd love you to comment on what happens next because we see that after this dialogue that Moses has with the Lord in his encounter with the burning bush, he now goes back to the person that has become like his father, because it really it's his stepfather, but this person is now like his leader, his guide, his guardian, and he goes. Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they're still alive because God has sent him on this mission and he wants to rescue his people from bondage. And Jethro pretty much just says in Exodus 4, verse 18, go in peace. Now I find this so astounding because Jesse made a point earlier whereby he may have Jethro may have known or heard about Moses being running for his life or even if he didn't know beforehand i'm sure conversations would have been had stating that fact like why are you going back to the place you ran from like what are you you're here you're protected you're safe why are you now like why has detro allowed him to go back and save his people Jesse, can you, can you provide any insights on that?
2: You know, man, I think it's a, it's a deep uh, statement when he says go in peace and what he was talking about in terms of after everything, you know, why would he allow him to go back? Um, I think, ah, man, <laughs> I, I think Jethro, I think if I put it this way, I think God already started working um, with Jethro before Moses had got there kind of thing. Um, you know I think in life sometimes uh, we assume that God has to catch up or keep pace you know we always say he's non time God you know and then we'll slip in you know in his time you know <laughs> and so we'll kind of wait and we think that means okay well I'll get somewhere and then you know a few months later God will catch up and will bless me in the most like unbelievable way when really in the story I believe what we see is that Moses gets to Midian. God had already started to like work on Jethro's heart. He's already a priest, um, serving, worshiping other gods, um, but yet he understands the call and the mission um, on Moses' life somehow. Um, so there, you can kind of assume that perhaps it was God who reached Jethro before Moses did. You know, um, and you see he wasn't reluctant in doing so. He said, man, go in peace, sort out your business, <laughs> you know. Um, and he, he obviously believes to some extent that this is the truth because who, who in their right mind says, hey, you know, dad or father-in-law or, or, or um, I don't know, someone you look up to, yeah, um, I just came from a bush, man, <laughs> and it was God, you know. <laughs> so I come from the bush, God spoke to me in the bush, now I'm going to go back to Egypt. You know, you, you think they're crazy, that they lost their mind, um, I mean, I know I would. I'd be like, listen, this guy is done. <laughs> He's done on <at> him. <laughs> but Jethro somewhat believes Moses based upon his testimony that he had in a bush. And and so God must have spoke and works through Jethro so that he doesn't just hear it as a normal thing. But Jethro has the audacity to believe that, Moses, what
0: you're saying, I actually believe that's true. After getting all of that sort of support especially from the male figure that would would have been sort of highest priority in his life at that time. Moses goes, he 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 talks to the people of Israel, he rescues them. We know about all the plagues that took place. We know about crossing the the Red Sea. We we, we know how the story goes. And that was pretty much sort of the end of the Egyptians for that time now Jethro sees Moses again for probably one more time and Moses wife who's Jethro's daughter has now gone back and is living with Jethro so in this in this in this moment like I just want to sort of discuss Jethro being the father figure at that point someone uh, the father figure of someone who's just delivered the lord's people as well as a medianite priest whether there's any correlation what was his support like how was he how was he there for moses just let's dig a bit deeper into jethro at that at that point of time because everything has happened now Mm -hmm. the israelites are, are rescued where does Jethro life take him to now? You
1: know, Kes, before, you know, before we get to the you know, actual thing that he does, which totally helps out Moses' pastoral burnout, I think one of the things we ought to notice is that when Moses was heading towards Egypt and he realized the dangers that beset him, if there were, to be dangers. You know, he said, okay, wife, kids, Sorry, you can't, come, you can't come any further. I, I don't want anything to happen, happen to you. I don't want no leverage. I don't want, nothing, I don't want nothing to happen. I don't want anything they can use against me. And so he sent him back. So now that since he's coming back home, and well, he's basically passing through Midian, as you, as you were saying, going to Sinai, you know, Jethro hears about everything that he's done. And the one thing that I do think that's a blessing, that he goes to see his son-in-law, but he takes his family his wife, his wife, with you know Moses' wife, and his kids with him. I think that thing is overlooked because in this sense, Moses needs his family. Like, he needs his wife. He needs the comfort of his wife. Like, okay, I'm not married. It's all of our viewers and listeners who are listening right now, I'm not married. But I, I know there's encouragement when you have your spouse with you, you know what I'm saying, in certain situations when you're going through. And the fact that he brings his kids along, it kind of gives Moses a kind of sigh of relief that he has his family, that he can talk with his wife, that he can see his children and everything like that. I think that's one thing that we ought to take from that. And to anybody who's listening, you know, uh, family is a soother. It can be a soother, it can stress you out, but it could also bless you in, in ways that, you know, that are not of. That's why God created the family. He created the family so that you can be with one another, community. That's what the Godhead is. Spirit, son, God, they're all a part of a community. And the Lord knows that we need that community, that familial com- community, to continue thriving in that way. And I think that's one thing that Jethro does. And I do want to take that into consideration that everybody ought to be intentional about keeping their family thing together. You know.
0: And you know, I believe that has even with what you just mentioned. I believe that has also correlated and answered the question I was previously posing because we realize that. Jethro he's not just a Midianite priest he's not just the father of Zipporah who is Moses's wife he's not just someone who owns a lot of flock he is a family man and he's very sensitive to what Moses needed at the time now Jesse also made a point earlier that even before we're in a situation God has already put a plan in place and God has probably had already spoken to Jethro himself maybe he had maybe he hadn't but God would have been teaching him or inspiring him or leading him in some way shape or form because the Lord would have known that dealing with these Israelites would have been a serious task the Israelites as we have seen throughout the Bible have been one of the most stubborn bunch or nation of people I have ever seen in my life and it's like do this today do something else tomorrow do this this morning do something else this evening and just to just to lead them out of bondage remember they were in bondage and even when Moses went they were questioning him who are you to lead us out of bondage like they know him as the Egyptian that was born and brought up. But God was about to deliver his people. And although they were crying out to be delivered, when their deliverance came, they weren't ready for it. And you, they- don't
1: you don't care. So when, when, when they, and I want, I want to throw this question out to both of you. Yeah. Uh, man, leading a people, what can that do to you? Like, And again, this is not just to pastors or to ministers, whatever the case, it's to leaders in your church today, especially during this COVID-19. What can leading a people do to you, if not taken in the way that God has, has called us to do, which is to rest aside for a minute. What can leading do to you?
2: You know, um, I think it's interesting because Moses pre-Midian was a different kind of Moses in the sense that He'd come, like Kess said earlier, came from a position of power. Um, In other words, yeah, there was Pharaoh, you know, there was his brother and everything. But he was in such a position of power and privilege that what he said almost goes, you know, (laughs) Um, that people had to listen to this guy. Um, God takes him out of that now to a place where he's no longer the man in charge, you know. Yeah, he's leading the people. But now Moses has to listen to God um, and what God says kind of goes, <laughs> you know, and and that in itself is difficult for Moses because um, throughout his life, well, without his later life um, with the Israelites, he's wrestling with this thing. Do I do what I want to do or do I do what God wants to do? Because God's saying we do this, right, cool, I'm going to do it. But these Israelites are getting on my nerves, you know. And I think um, leading the people, I'm sure for many individuals who have experienced uh, leadership in, in any role, you know, and let alone church life, it's a difficult thing because God is not calling us to be dictators, um, you know, He's not calling us to be um, people who have all the answers either, and I think that is the constant struggle and battle that we would have with. Um, that, that we have um is that yes people are difficult but imagine how god is like man i'm just trying to get through to you you know <laughs> if i could get through to you things um could, could change a little bit um and, and so that's how i kind of see things
0: yes you're definitely right you're definitely right yes and you know i'm from like i'm from a pastor's background well my dad's a pastor and my experience have been an interesting one, as I'm sure for any pastor's kid. But there have been times where you'll see your dad and your dad who you will know as, whether it be got all the answers or, or physically strong, you see him so mentally drained and fatigued or tired. Because of things that the, because of how the church or people have battered him in such a psychological way, and it's it's a very hard thing. People need to realize that when they are in situations and they either get a pastor or whoever comes to, whether it be to the church or whoever's in the position, whether we agree or not genuinely or generally, we will pray on these things. And that person is there for a reason. At the end of the day, no matter what the person has done, whether it be good or bad, God was in control of his people then and God is in control of his church now. And we should always always give the sort of benefit of doubt. We don't accept nonsense or foolishness but we should pray, we should fast, we should like spend time with God because he's always in control and he's always leading his, his church. And
1: bro, kind of like one of the things that, you know, as we see, the reason why Jethro has this whole thing with, with Moses and he tells him this whole plan, you need to have this leader over this and you need to have this over that or whatever the case is. Because, um, man, leading people like that in that, in that sort of sense, uh, like you said, you, we pray for our leaders. We're supposed to pray for our leaders. The children of Israel, I would say, rarely prayed for their leaders. For example, you man reading Ellen White in patriarchs and prophets. When Aaron was at the point of dying, when he when when they, they took when Moses took him up the mountain, and you know he took off the vestments and put it on his son, whatever the case is, and Aaron died. Moses came down the mountain, and the people didn't see Aaron, and so Mrs. White says. That they wept for Aaron, even though during his life they always gave him trouble. And the thing is, of the matter is, uh, even when, and, and this and this is what we need to do: we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for people who are leading us, whether it's a pastor, uh, whether it's someone in, in a job that's leading us. Pray for our leaders. our countries. Uh, you know, in which we are, which we are, our prime minister, our president, whatever the case is. Just because they may be doing certain things that we don't approve of, doesn't give us the right to stop praying for them. You know what I'm saying? Everybody needs prayer, and so kind of just the thing that you know we, we need to keep in mind: pray for our leaders in, in, in the midst of the, the the shame and all all that was going on. You know, to our listeners, I'm from America. You know, we we had President Trump. <laughs> we I ain't gonna lie, we had this 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 president. We had it, and just, at the end of the day. Um, God loves all his children. Um, and, and no matter how bad we may talk about them or think about them, we need to pray for our leaders.
2: There's this quote that I love, right? And I have it in, in my notes generally on my phone. <laughs> and so I, I pulled it up and it made me think of what you guys were talking about. Um, it's from Acts of the Apostles and it says, enfeebled and defective as it may appear. The church is the one object upon which God bestows in a special sense his supreme regard. It is the theater of his grace in which he delights to reveal his power to transform hearts man and i thought about this thing because you know um she uses um the word theater of his grace and i think of you know like an operating theater um when you're getting like i don't know someone's getting like a heart transplant or something you know they're there to take out stuff and put stuff in and you know just fix you up basically and and it kind of shows the ultimate grace of God because sometimes, like Kes said, you know, God puts people there for a reason. You know, you're there like, oh man, why is this person on my back? You know, why am I going through all this trouble? But the author literally says, he says it's a theater, you know, of his grace, um, which means that while he's working on you, he's also working on them. And so he's taking stuff out, he's putting stuff in. Um, and as if defective and enfeebled it may be, that he's using that thing to transform hearts and reveal his power, you know? So um, to any of the listeners who are discouraged, um, just know that at the end of the day, God is trying to transform your heart. He's trying to um, reveal his power in your life. If, If he wouldn't have these things in place, then sometimes, you know, it's quite difficult for us to see him and for us to actually realize that we need a transformation of heart as
0: well. Amen. 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 And you know, I want to touch on what I believe is the sort of pinnacle of Jethro's story, which is his conversion story. Because after, after everything, Jethro then says to Moses, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. This is found in Exodus chapter 18, verse 10. Now, Jethro, we know he was a Midianite priest and we, we've established that the Midianites, they worshiped sort of pagan gods. But here, Jethro is, he's acknowledging the one true God because he could have said, or he could have made reference to any other pagan God, but he has realized that it was the God of Israel who brought them out of bondage from Egypt and Jethro's not just acknowledging that he himself has made a sacrifice unto God Daniel I see I see you firing up <laughs>
1: Nah, man listen bro this is this is great because we hear we hear as we have as we read before Jethro heard he heard everything that Moses had did and kind of the key thing to 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 us today. People have to hear about what God has done for us. It, it, that, that's just hands down <laughs> anything. They got to hear it. Because how do we expect to get them to di- differentiate between the several gods that are here in this day and age? H- how do we get them to stop going to atheism, or to go to this sect, or, or to go to this and, and that? How do we differentiate? If they don't hear about the God that we serve, like, <laughs> has he delivered you from the car accident? Has he delivered you from, from, from waking up this morning, from the sickness that you had in your body? Like, like I'm not trying to preach here, but <laughs> at the end of the day, we have got to testify about, about what God has done for us. Because at the end, someone will declare and see, just like Jethro did. Out of all the gods that he served as a priest of Midian, just like Jethro, because of what he heard, he will then say, blessed be the Lord. Who has delivered you out of the hand? It's the only God I, I I can know for sure that this is the only God. So at the at, at the end of the day, man, um, it's what people hear. Do they hear a testimony? We, we gotta tell them. The, we ain't gotta uh, tell them about the amazing facts. We ain't gotta tell them about uh, what the church. You know, tell them what God has done for you. You know what I'm saying? What has He done for you? And I think by that, people will be blessed and they will want to know who is this guy that we serve.
2: Yeah, man. Like that, <laughs> Daniel got me fired up, man. Like you know, thinking about um, <laughs> what you just said about people get to know um, God through you. I mean, Jephro literally was a a priest of Midian, but you know, he says, "Yo, what you've told me, this God is greater than all the gods." In other words, he just like renounced his priesthood in Midian, <laughs> and and he basically said this whatever you've got, whatever you've experienced is better than what I've had for my entire life. And, you, you know, and I, th- I think in, for us, man, you know, if, if we really are to have God in our lives, if we really are to have an experience, um, like Kes said about the presence of God, people ought to be able to say, listen, man, this thing, whatever you've got is so much better than, than what I've experienced. I've never experienced something like this before. It's like the woman at the well, man, she dropped her bucket. You know, when I told everybody, because she didn't need it anymore. She said, this is way better, man. And I think Jeffro had an experience through hearing, you know, he didn't need to see. (laughs) Like he said, he just heard. And that was enough for him. So definitely, man, if if we are to press forward in this Christian thing, then we ought to give people Christ, man. And trust me, he's better than anything um, they've ever had before.
1: You, you, and listen, y'all. Before we close, uh, you know, I, I want each and every one of us, you know, who are, you know, just test myself, I, I'm going to testify, and I hope, you know, hopefully you all will too, and our listeners just testify. You know, literally during this pandemic, we've all kind of suffered through this fatigue, and I, honestly, I'll tell you this loneliness, because I'm not with uh, no my no you know my normal friends that I'm usually around. Whatever the case is, you know, you stuck you stuck at home, and be, to God be the glory, you're at home and you're enjoying family, but I'm not around my normal crew, whatever the case is. I'm not around my normal friendship group. And the crazy thing is, you know, even in the midst of this, God has made himself known and has drawn me closer. And so, listen, to anybody who is listening, uh, whether you're a believer or not, um, this, this is my testimony. God will see you through. He will get you through. And just like Moses, he will place people in your life as Jethro <laughs> to help you be that guide along that path. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Listen, before we close, you know, catch Jess, Okay, you know, y'all testify, because I know y'all can. You know, God has done something for each and every one
0: of y'all. Yeah, I'll just have to just give God praise, because this year, as you rightly said, has been such a crazy year. I have um, lost an aunt, and it was like for the past three years, this year and two years before, I've lost either... A major aunt or my grandmother just back to back years all around us all around exactly twelve months period, so it's just um being really crazy and I'm grateful because I'm able to to work i haven't been able- I haven't been put on furlough or haven't lost my job and I know a lot of people have like the Lord has blessed me with other opportunities good health i've had medical um, problems in the past uh, and up to now i've been brought safely through not just another week but through another year pretty much and like the season period is not like the seasonal period that we are accustomed or used to people may try and take advantage but there's a lot more sadness or grief or poverty even today i heard of I know of someone who has lost their father today and it's it, it, it's just crazy because they say when it rains it pours and this year has just been not not showers of blessing but just just showers of everything else and I'm just I'm just grateful because the Lord has sustained and has blessed and blessed me and those around me and my family and although you're working from home and Sometimes you're sort of locked up in a house, and I'm a very outgoing person. I'm just grateful for all the the minuscule things that he does within my life, Um to God be the
2: glory. To God be the glory. Yeah, man, I'm just grateful, appreciative of God's grace. Um, you know, like you guys have said, this has been a different year. I think for everybody. Um, and there are many things that, it's just put up, should I put it this way, that nothing has gone to plan um, for anybody during this time. But for me um, specifically, I feel like everything that hasn't gone to plan, God has changed it up around and just made it right. Um, and open up doors even during this difficult time. Um, ones that I asked for, ones that I hadn't even asked for. And, you know, I'm still in school. Um, he's allowed me to come back. Uh, safely to the UK, Um, you know, while others may have not been able to. So I'm thankful and um, appreciative of his grace.
1: Listen, um, this this concludes what we have, man. I understand viewers, you know, Jethro spent 40 years with Moses. must have gotten very close to him. And later on, we discovered that Jethro joined the nation of Israel, became a part of the nation. Jethro is a picture of all of us coming out of our own pagan idolatry worship, whether you worship uh, certain other gods that this world has to offer, but he represents coming out of that um, where we sometimes put ourselves as the objects of worship, uh, where everything is all about us, Little did we know that God would reveal himself to us and show us why we need to place our faith none other than Jesus Christ. Jethro discovered God but was real by all of their miraculous accounts, but we are drawn by God's spirit to become aware of our sins and see our needs through Christ. Listen, that's it for, for us today. Our viewers, uh, we're so grateful and listeners, we're so grateful that you could join us and pray that you were blessed by this as we have been, and we'll see you all the next time.